This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch. And I'm Zareen Siddiqui. And today we are talking about the much-anticipated return, it's been two years, over two years, of HBO's Euphoria. I forgot how long it's been since this show's been on air, and I also forgot that it was something that I actually was very into and and watched when it did come on air for the first time. For some reason, now I was treating it as a chore. But now I'm I'm back to loving it again, even though it's so dark and terrible. I mostly forgot how much it makes me feel dead inside. But <laughs> we will get into the premiere, which uh, aired this week. We will get into everything you probably forgot from season one. I know I did. And the show in general. But before we get into the ins and outs of Rue and Jules and everyone else, Zareen, what's your not over it? Um, so my not over it this week, it might be something that everyone else still remembers, but I, I forgot this was happening. I don't know if you remember a while ago, this, um, this guy, Morgan Cooper created a short film film that went viral over a dramatic take on the Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. In this house, I'm not Uncle Phil. I'm the law. He essentially like recreated the show in a very dramatic fashion and, and Will Smith saw it and I guess, the, you know, he picked it up and they were like, yeah, we're for sure going to create this show. And then it sort of was away from the limelight. But that show is very much real and it is coming to Peacock on February 13th, the first three episodes. I totally forgot about this entire thing. And now I'm just like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but make it dramatic. I don't know. That show just makes me so happy. I don't I don't want to be sad watching The Fresh Prince. Yeah, it reminds me of when people do those recuts of romantic comedies and make it a horror movie. They're like, you've got mail, except this man <laughs> is stalking her and like hunting her down with his dog in Riverside Park. I also feel like, didn't they just have a reunion? For me, it's, how many reunions do we need of Fresh Prince? I guess in this scenario, it's it's a very different take on the actual show, but still... It just sort of feels too soon, and I just want them to stop touching classic shows. Yeah, well, I guess this is not the original cast. It's, it's the characters in a new light, but not the original cast. So I guess that's that's the difference there. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The real question is, Zareen, is this going to make you start subscribing for Peacock? Because I know you're on a long quest of finding anyone who does. Yeah, no, I still won't. I won't be. But uh, maybe I will find someone else who has subscribed to watch the show. (laughs) Well, only time will tell. Um, What's your not over it, Becky? So my not over it, speaking of long running television, is about Denzel Washington and Ellen Pompeo. So a couple of months ago, Ellen Pompeo went on her podcast and told this whole story about how Back in, like, 2016, Denzel Washington was directing an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Fun fact, Denzel Washington has only directed one episode of any television show, and it was Grey's Anatomy, which I have questions about. But um, I guess Ellen, and the way she tells it, was that she did some improvising, and and Denzel was basically like, you know, I'm the director, I'm in charge here. And then 
she talked about how she was like verbatim, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? And And Denzel went ham on my ass. He was like, I'm the director. Don't you tell him what to do. And I was like, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? Like, you barely know where the bathroom is. Sure, Ellen Pompeo. I guess after, I mean, this was a few years ago, but after 84 years on the set of Grey's Anatomy, like, I I understand that you think you're in charge. I can't imagine going up to Denzel Washington and calling him a motherfucker, but that's just me. But anyway, (laughs) fast forward to now, Denzel Washington is doing promotion for his new movie, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and in an interview, he was asked about this and he basically just didn't answer the question. And when he asked if he remembered it, he said, no, no. He then claimed that he doesn't recall that day and then added, but it's all good. So basically being like, don't ask me about this. This is not a thing. But thanks, Alan Pompeo, for blowing this up and making it into headline news a couple months ago. So insert clip of Mariah Carey. I don't know. Her. Yeah, exactly. I don't know her. Also, I just, you know, I think Ellen Pompeo is well-intentioned, but she lately just seems to be saying way too much, I think, is the issue. Just pull back, do more, say less, I think is the way to go. Well, she's also been talking generally in life, I would say. She's also been talking a lot about how she wants Grey's Anatomy to end and has been begging for Grey's Anatomy to end for years, but that ABC, quote unquote, keeps incentivizing her to stay. It's so hard for you getting paid all those millions. I can't believe it. I can't believe she keeps saying yes. It's so big of right? her. She's, she's really in a pickle of wanting the show to end, but continuing to just have money thrown at her while she lays in a bed on a beach and does barely has to do anything. So pick me. Choose me. Love me. If you know, you know. Yes, unfortunately, I do know. All right, well, let's get into the episode. Um, Becky, why don't you give a very... Quick explainer of what Euphoria actually is, and then we'll get into all of the things that happened on the show. Sure, Zareen. So whether you don't remember or didn't notice, Euphoria came out a couple of years ago, back in 2019 on HBO. It definitely made waves. If you thought Gossip Girl was scandalous, you have not seen (laughs) anything yet and like grab your pearls because you'll be clutching them. But the show centers on a character named Rue, played by Zendaya, and is more or less about her journey being an addict and the classmates in her high school in California and basically the various scandalous and otherwise coming, quote unquote, coming of age behavior that they get into. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about how this this was not our high school experience. I'm not saying it's not the high school experience now, but um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Yes, there is. I mean, we were texting each other as we were watching the um, premiere of season two, and I was just sort of like, is this what kids do in high school? Like, I just don't think anyone was going off and, you know, on a New Year's party and doing, like, drug deals, and there's, like, a girl sitting next to you doing heroin, like, in her thigh, like, injecting it in her thigh. There's just certain things about this show that are an elevated version of maybe, I don't know, elevated is the right word, but exaggerated version of what high school maybe is today, I guess, with an overwhelming, you know, amount of information and access that I guess high school kids might have now that we didn't have. I'm aging everybody but you know yes it's it's access and it's excess and i would hope it's exaggerated but neither one of us 
really know. Um, but the show, you know, caused caused got a lot of critical acclaim. Zendaya won an Emmy for her role, but because of COVID, it has effectively been off the air since August of 2019. So it's been two and a half years. It just returned for its second season, and I know I forgot about a lot of the things that happened in season one, and so do you. So why don't we give a little bit of backstory on what was happening in the first season to play some catch-up. I forgot all the different um, sort of smaller storylines that were happening throughout the show because of the overarching theme is, you know, general chaos, the issues with drugs, struggles with parents, the whole being a teenager in general and the instability that comes along with that. Um, Don't forget about the sex. <laughs> like there is an incredible amount of sex happening. <laughs> like drugs, sure, but uh, more nudity on this show than I've seen since Game of Thrones. I think. Yeah, no, and it's it, it's jarring because these are supposed to be high school kids, but then you're also like, okay, you know, the, this person's actually 25 playing like a 15 year old. So in some way, I feel a little bit better about it. But then I'm like, no, no, I hate this. Like for example, Cat, um, Cat's character who is played by Barbie Ferreira, her storyline in season one is something I've fully blocked out of my head. I didn't really remember that there was a video of her losing her virginity that was casually being played at a house party, which is, you know, actually something that I feel like this show took from 2000s teen shows because I know, Beck, you didn't make it that far in One Tree Hill, but this does happen in One Tree Hill as well. Wait, at first I thought you were saying it's something they took from things that happened in the 2000s and then you were about to suggest that this happened to me. And I was like, I have no idea where this is going right now, but I can assure you that this this was not ripped from the pages of my high school or even college experience. <laughs> no. Um, but yes, it's casually playing at a house party to which she sort of responds by turning into this, quote, cam girl. Wait, sorry. Now that you mention it, this did also happen on Veronica Mars. She wasn't losing her virginity, but there was like a, a sex tape leakage that happened. So she was in college. Yeah, but see, this yes, is, that yeah, supports this your argument. Good. Yeah, it's very 2000s of them. Um, but she sort of is taking charge of her own sexuality, which I fully support. But then I'm also like, wait, you're in high school. Get off the Internet. And this show's just it makes me miss like DSL more than anything. Get off the Internet. Have less access to being online and naked online, posting yourself online naked. Well, I mean, I think the whole thing, uh, the show is definitely trying to make you uncomfortable. It's pushing the limits of what you can endure watching in the sake of what what I think is to hold a mirror up to some version of reality, because I think, you know, most of these teen shows like really even the shows that seem like they're showing quote unquote real life are sugarcoating it in some way. And this show is doing the complete opposite, which is what happened, which is what's happening here, which is definitely what's happening with everything that happens with Nate, which is Jacob Elordi's character. I mean, he is just terrifying in every scenario at the end of the season. I mean, also everything that happens with his dad played by Eric Dane. I mean, the show kicks off with Eric Dane, having an affair with Jules, who is a transgender high school girl. And, you know, that in and of itself, he's like, meets her online. It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. It creates a dark cloud over the whole season. And then it ends with um, Nate's dad beating the daylights out of him. No, and and that's another thing. They really play into the sort of, you know, he's 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 a tough dad. He's really tough on Nate, but it has this like, intense sort of like alpha male masculine energy and then on the other side of it you see how depraved and sort of you know 
sick and twisted he is as a person. And that obviously spills into his son, which makes complete sense. Uh, what a key fight! Yes, he's very sick and twisted, and that's why Rue's drug dealer Fez wants to kill him in the first season. There, you know, among the, the many things that Nate does, he also is extremely abusive to his girlfriend, Maddie, and then he ends up basically catfishing Jules because he finds out that his father has made a sex tape of himself and Jules and Nate basically blackmails Jules by making her fall in love with him and then telling her that she can't, you know, he'll, he blackmails her with sexy pictures that she sent him. And then uh, when Rue's friend and drug dealer Fez finds out about that, he basically threatens to kill Nate. Listen, bro, I'm saying you keep fucking with Rue and her friends and I'm gonna kill you. And Nate in turn calls the cops on Fez. Yeah, those were one of the two biggest like storylines that sort of ended this season and the the other one that kind of plays into it is it's Rue's idea to sort of run away because what else do high schoolers do I guess um but leaves it's her idea to kind of get away and like you know go off and then at the train station Rue leaves Jules stranded standing alone um which is actually in turn it happens right after basically Nate Uh, making Rue feel insecure about her relationship with Jules. But that is basically because of, and it all just comes back to Nate, because, you know, Rue goes and confronts him about the fact that he's blackmailing Jules, and in turn he's like, makes her feel insecure about this relationship that she she has with Jules, which is pretty obvious to see throughout the season. I think we've talked about that multiple times where we sort of feel as if um, Zendaya's character, Rue, is much more into Hunter Schaefer's character, Jules, than the other way around it doesn't really feel even and so i think nate sees that because he's a monster and plays into that insecurity and as a result rue does not get on the train with jules even though it was her idea to run away in the first place chaos yes and then the aftermath of that is explored in the only two episodes we did get between season one and season two which were these sort of little bonus episodes they released around the holidays uh in 2020 that at first might have seemed like episodes you can skip, but um, actually sort of bring a lot of insight into the difference between how Rue and Jules are looking at their relationship. Yeah, I admittedly only watched the Rue episode um, with Zendaya and um, Coleman Domingo, who plays Ali. I didn't really feel like I got that much out of it. And unfortunately, that in turn made me not watch the Jules episode. Um, But I know you did. And you sort of like changed my mind about maybe I should go back and watch that episode. Yes. If you haven't watched these two episodes, they are very different. And I had the same reaction. I watched the Rue one when it aired and then I kind of like left the Jules one, you know, in DVR hell or whatever streaming hell, just sort of like lurking around. And uh, purgatory. Yes, I, purgatory. Exactly. I didn't get around to watching it until last week, but the, Episode that focuses on Jules actually brings a lot of insight into what her character was going through throughout the season, whereas the season mostly focuses on Rue. Rue is literally the narrator, so you feel like you have a good grasp on how Rue is taking in everything, how she feels about Jules. And this episode is primarily a therapy session where Jules is seeing a new therapist. You learn a lot more about where she's at with her transition. You get a lot about her relationships, both with... Rue and also with Nate, 
how she sort of fell in love with him via text and, you know, with men and women in general. But a lot of it is about how she is so in love with Rue, but feels like she is responsible for Rue's sobriety and, you know, how hard that is on her. And you also learn more about her family, whereas basically it fills in a lot of the pieces that we didn't necessarily get in the first season. So I actually think because of the way it ties in that this is definitely something that if you skipped or missed, you should check out before that you watch season two. Yeah, I think when we were talking about it, I was sort of expressing to you in season one, I wasn't a huge fan of Jules because I feel like she brings a lot of chaos and, um, you know, into Rue's life when she's trying to battle with sobriety as is. And in turn, now I see that I'm actually putting all the blame on Jules when it's not actually Jules's fault in this episode might turn things around in terms of me maybe being a little bit more on Team Jules' side. But um, this feels like a good place to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some spoilers from the premiere of season two. All right. Well, now that we've sort of covered the things you need to remember for season two, um, Zareen, why don't you talk to me about how did it feel to watch the premiere? How did it feel to have Euphoria back after all this time? Um, Well, off the bat, it felt a little bit less purple, um, which is always (laughs) welcome. I don't know. I feel like season one, I just remember constantly being in like this weird purple haze watching the show. um, And that was nice. A nice change. I also really liked that this season sort of hopefully I don't know if it's going to remain this way, but it lobs you up with like storylines like it starts off with us getting a background into Fez's life. Right. Um, and who he's raised by intro about his grandmother and Ashtray, who I had completely forgotten existed as a character in season one is sort of his adopted little brother. Um but I, I hope that we start getting more insight into why people are the way they are a little bit more, because right now it's a lot of everyone's chaotic and it makes me feel uncomfortable, but hopefully we'll understand why we're so uncomfortable. Right. So. Well, and I think that goes back into what the Jules episode, I think, successfully pulls off is, you know, giving you more background into what makes her tick. Uh, my biggest reaction, and I know I texted you this after 20 minutes, was like, it's so intense and stressful especially the beginning of this episode that i after 20 minutes had to take a break i was like okay i have not like breathed a breath since this episode started because it really comes out guns literally blazing there's like a lot of everything packed right into the beginning and then from then on you're just like watching one like uncomfortable moment after another after another you do not get a lot of relief in this episode No, it's like one reckless incident after the other. The way that the show starts off feels, A, just a lot of things just constantly feel avoidable to me as watching as a 31-year-old. I'm like, why are you doing this? Get out of this situation. Like when we get reintroduced to Cassie and she's sort of, you know, she had just gotten a fight with her sister, Lex, who's played by Mon Aptow. Cassie's played by Sydney Sweeney. Um, And she's in a gas station, I guess, getting donuts, Mm -hmm. like and you can eat, relate she to sits that. down in a parking lot to eat. I don't eat gas station donuts. <laughs> you I, love I can donuts. relate to donuts. But you I love donuts. Really, I do love donuts. But I do, but not ga- I'm not I'm not eating gas station donuts. I mean, if I had to, maybe I would. If there's no other donut places left and I had to eat them. But wow, the privilege, <laughs> the pr- the donut privilege. Yeah, there's better places to eat. Um, but she just casually sits in her parking lot and Nate drives in very chaotically with his fake ID, gets a 
bunch of beer and then like offers her a ride to this house party that's happening on New Year's Eve, driving a hundred miles an hour, chugging beers, and then she's hanging out the door. And it's just like, what? And he first of all, he never looks at the road. He never looks at the road. No, he doesn't. He doesn't ever look at the road. And also the constant like opening the beer with your mouth is like, okay, once was enough. We get it. But like didn't didn't you also just describe drunk teenagers making stupid decisions? I don't know, guys. I feel like, yeah, I mean, in my high school, were people doing dumb things? Yeah, I just don't know if it was this extreme. Well, it's it also everything with Nate is really it's like he, you know, the show has a lot of different themes. Obviously, the show is dark overall, but he specifically seems like he's in some thriller movie where he's maybe going to end up killing everyone from one way or another. <laughs> like every scene that he's in, you're just like waiting for something horrible to happen. And almost every time it does. But going back to what you were saying about these ridiculous situations, the situation where Nate and Cassie end up hooking up, first of all, they were in the car together, but decide to go into the party together and then start hooking up instead of just hooking up in his humongous vehicle or something. And when Nate's ex-girlfriend Maddie starts banging on the door, obviously you get in the bathtub and you pull the shower curtain, but that doesn't occur to them for what feels like 77 minutes. No, and Cassie crying continuously and like making weird noises, you're just sort of like, this situation needs to be over in five minutes, and now this is a 20-minute scene lasting so much longer in this episode than necessary. No, and they make it clear that like Rue is on every single drug, so you expect her to be sort of like spaced out, but... The rest of them seem more out of it than they have a right to be <laughs> for even if they've had a few beers like Cassie. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot going on here. Right. Well, and I, and I think they're trying to play into like these teenagers have so much going on and they're overwhelmed. And it's so it's an addition of like personal life plus drugs and alcohol. But also teenagers aren't that deep. Like, I think there's a part of me that I'm sort of like, OK, pull back. Like, I know they're going through a lot, but like also you're the farthest that you look into as a teenager i feel like is friday night so i don't know how much of that plays into it continuously i think for me where i find it hard with cassie's character especially is that she's so over aware of like her emotions and what's going on yet is like still hooking up with her best friend's boyfriend ex-boyfriend i'm like well doesn't that just prove your point that that teenagers are not that deep i mean i didn't feel like all of the so many of the conversations that they had were so stupid like (laughs) the entire conversation that maddie has in the bathroom with that guy about whether or not she's ever heard him on the radio also the entire scene where they get out of that insane drug situation at the beginning and rue just starts laughing and like recounting it as if it was like some great caper that lady let me just say she is a fucking gangster she's a fucking gangster they all work for her why are you acting like that shit was fun rue Fez and Asher having none of it like those are the things that actually to your point like teenagers are not that not that deep like they're having these conversations where they think they are but they actually aren't yeah I actually think Fez is like the only person in this entire show that I feel like continuously has appropriate reactions to what's happening around him even though some of them are awful and very very disturbing like him you know beating Nate's face to a pulp at the end of the episode which is terrifying he seems a lot more adult, obviously, running a drug business, drug dealing business, and having to take care of a 10-year-old. Right. Well, you learn that he had to grow up really fast, and he almost has, like, an an old man energy in that whole scene where he's talking to Lexi on the couch, and it's, like, very 
uh, pure, for lack of a better word. Like they're generally like he's genuinely interested in what she's saying. And then he's asking her, how did you learn yeah. all this stuff? And he's like, she's like, I read books. Anyway, it's it doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure it's headed for something awful. But I am here for this potential relationship between Fez and Lexi. No, I love I I really, really enjoy Maud Apatow in this um, show. I find her to be very endearing and easy to root for, which is always nice to have a character like that in particularly this show where everyone seems somewhat awful in their own way. She seems to be very even kill, which I'm sure is going to change now that she's going to start dating a drug dealer. But, you know, well, maybe she just represents who we were in high school, which is like the, a little nerdier. Not not doing as many scandalous things, not hanging yeah. out the side of the window. Maybe we don't didn't know those things were happening because we we were closer to, to the side of the Lexis of the world. But um, the preview for the rest of the season makes it seem like she's going to have a bigger role, which I am excited about. Yeah, I think that I'm, I think that perfectly nails it. It's like invited to the party, but maybe not really on the inside of the party, which I am perfectly OK with. Like that was that that's worked for me. And it seems like it's been working for Lexi. So I hope she doesn't stray too far. But um, I also love seeing the dynamic between her and her sister, which are just two completely opposite people. Um, The one thing that I totally did not remember was um, Barbie's character, Barbie and Jules being friends at all or Barbie wanting to be close with cat. Oh, cat. Sorry. Um, They take so many shots. (laughs) They they just keep taking shots. I know you think there should be more throwing up on this show. Yeah. There's so many shots being taken. I don't really understand how no one's like how they're all just not walking around barfing on each other because it just makes me sick looking at it. But um, I don't really know the chemistry between Jules and Kat, their characters. And so I guess that'll be interesting to watch um, because Kat makes a comment of, you know, when you came here, I thought we'd be closer. I'm like, what? Yeah, I didn't remember that either, but I. But so either we just don't remember the first season, which is entirely possible, or that the point of that was to show that they didn't really have a connection. And now they are going to, like you said. Yeah. Um, I also forgot. I mean, I didn't forget. I realized that Nate has always been a huge monster, but I think this episode has really lobbed him up to be like... When that entire scene with McKay, who comes back from college and he's at this house party, him and Cassie go and talk about, you know, they've broken up and and whatever. And he comes back out and Nate, who was basically trying to hook up with Cassie five minutes prior to that, asks McKay over and over again if they had sex and keeps pushing him and like getting in his face about like if they actually had sex or not. It is so disturbing it, in that moment, I feel like I saw his dad. Where'd you come? Where? Chill. Where'd you come? Chill. Come in her mouth? Whoa, chill. Yo, you come in her belly? Yes. Well, also, not only is it disturbing, but Jacob Elordi is so much taller than everyone else on that show that he physically has to lean all the way over so that he can have a conversation and start yelling at him, which also adds to it. He's just like the, you know, the num- the, the villain. He is... The villain of the show, and therefore, even though I gasped at the end when Fez breaks a bottle over his head and starts beating him, I wasn't, can't say I was mad about it. No, no, that's the thing. It's very disturbing, but you are like, mm, you you deserve this. You deserve this more than anyone else in this entire room. So, all right, good luck to you. Well, on that note, let's take a break. When we come back, we will wrap things up and talk about where where we might think the rest of this season is going.
Okay, well, after this episode aired, the first thing you texted me was, is Nate dead? And you were not alone. Um, it was trending on Google Trends in relation to Euphoria. People wanting to know why did Fez beat up Nate because they didn't remember. And also, is Nate dead? If you watched the preview of what's to come in season two, I am sorry to say that he is not dead. The first thing that they show is him waking up in the hospital with his face beat to a pulp and smiling like the creepy joker that he is. So Nate is not dead. And it Ew. seems like he will continue on his reign of terror. Yeah, and for those who don't remember, the reason that Fez actually beats him to a pulp is because um, he's convinced that Nate is the reason that he got raided by the cops for drugs. Didn't get caught, but that is the reason that he beat the shit out of him. Um, I'm really curious to see if Drew's new friend, Elliot, who sort of saves her life at this party, essentially by making sure she's still breathing. So at the party, Rue does more drugs with Elliot. Um, Elliot is unaware that she has done even more drugs previously to doing drugs with him. So <laughs> he basically saves her life in a sense of just, I guess, like being around her, making sure she's still breathing. And he's the only new person, as Becky put it, new child that is introduced in um, <laughs> the premiere. So I'm curious if he's going to actually make it into the group dynamic or if he's just kind of like a one-shot deal. Yeah, they showed... Um a few clips of him in the upcoming episodes too. So I think he's going to stick around and it's unclear if he is a potential love interest for Rue or just a friend. I did like the dynamic that they had. He seems, um, I, I want to say down to earth, but he has face tattoos. So he's, and he's doing drugs in the bathroom. So like, or the washing, the, <laughs> the laundry room. So he's not down to earth, but you know what I mean? He seemed a little bit more like a, caring human than a lot of the other people on the show and i think i think it would be good uh, not great for rue to have another drug addict friend but just to have another friend it seems like she could use one yeah um elliot definitely seemed more compassionate than maddie oh 10 minutes before when that guy in the bathroom was like there's a girl passed out in this bathtub and she's like who cares let's go dance i know but couldn't you see that really happening this is an insane (laughs) behavior i don't yeah i was like my anxiety is just not (laughs) <laughs> There's no way. I mean, not not in my high school. I could just but... leave a girl passed out. Not yeah, no, not in my high school. They didn't show. We talked a little bit about Kat and Jules and their relationship, their friendship, but they didn't talk. You know, get really deep into what's happening with Kat. And at the end of the first season, she kind of decides to stop being a camerol and have a relationship with Ethan. And like the quick clip they show of them, Jules is like, "Oh, you're so nauseating." Like they seem like the two people on the show who are actually attempting like a regular high school relationship where they're not like trying to choke each other or whatever else everyone else is doing. And (laughs) uh, I am curious to see where that leads. It seems like inevitably someone has to do something terrible to the other one in order to keep this show going. So yeah, I don't really know. I'm not a big fan of Ethan, who's played by Austin Abrams. He just gives me the creeps. Um, but I do appreciate that they are attempting to have some sort of like normal relationship. I am very curious about Ashtray <laughs> this season going forward. I would love he doesn't really speak um at all. I don't think he's really said like many he's words a child. the entire time. Now like Yeah, but like he seems he seems more mature than half of the high school kids that he's we've traumatized. seen on the screen. So yeah, that's it's the it's the trauma. Um, but I do really enjoy his character and I hope we get to see him sort of speaking more, I guess. He just seems like he's a good He actor. also has face tattoos. Who's the person that's giving all the face tattoos out to the children? 
It's really upsetting. Don't they know that these face tattoos are hard to get off? No, there's like a thousand Post Malones walking around this high school constantly. It's exhausting. Well, my final question, as I was trying to parse through all the footage in the sneak peek, which, you know, spans the whole season, but has a lot of quick clips, is that I couldn't help but notice there are multiple clips of Eric Dane, who plays Nate's father, looking insane with a giant bandage on his head and he's shirtless, like, out in public, like, screaming or, like, driving a car. So it doesn't seem like his storyline is going to end anytime soon. So lots more to unpack on that father-son relationship. All right, well, lots of discomfort and probably not that much quote-unquote euphoria for us to unfold as the season goes on but now Zareen we have arrived at your burning question okay I'm ready okay Zareen congratulations no just like 21 Jump Street you're gonna go undercover at the fictional high school that (laughs) that takes place on euphoria and you need someone you have to find the drugs but also you just oh god yeah, it's like 21 jump street but also you just kind of want to see what's you're you're also writing a a story for journalism for this podcast about whether or not what's happening you know you're writing a, a story for journalism for this podcast about uh you know what's happening at these high school parties so we're pretending euphoria is real who which character in euphoria are you choosing to guide you through high school parties and general life in the fictional world of euphoria Ugh, god i mean my obvious choice would be fez but he'd never talk to me he'd be like this person's a narc also that sounds terrifying talk to this person so yeah but it's like i'm trying to go for the drugs like i go after the guy that clearly <laughs> looks like he not only does drugs sells drugs like it seems like the most obvious choice <laughs> um I feel like my only entryway would be Lexi because she's the only one that would like accept me. Maddie would eat me alive. She would just be like, you're hideous. Get away from me for no reason. Really? I feel like you could take her. There's no way. Rue is on too many drugs. Rue is on too many drugs to even like notice that I'm there. Maybe I would say probably like Lexi or Jules. I think those would be my entryway because Jules is actually a nice person. Jules could also probably get you closer to the dark underbelly. Ball also yeah like i feel like and jules would talk to me you don't want cassie to show so. you the town yeah jules no <laughs> i'm very okay with being as uh, far away from cassie as possible <laughs> um all right dj play all of us by labyrinth and zendaya is hosted and produced by Becky Kirsch and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Allison Noel and Lisa Sugar. Have something to share? Tell us the moments you're not over by emailing us at notoverit at popsugar.com. Thanks for listening.